Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Modern Multifamily Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Wilbur, and thank you for joining me today. I was really lucky to have Becky Smith from WPM Real Estate back on my podcast as my first two-time guest. She's a senior leasing manager with WPM out of Baltimore, and one of the few folks I know who sits at the corporate level with a radical focus on leasing teams' success. Right now, we're embarking on this series talking with leasing experts across the industry with a a goal of really being able to drive better awareness, education, and enablement to make this year's leasing season a success for everyone in the industry. And Becky was the perfect guest to contribute to this. A couple of the conversational topics that we had on today that stood out to me were this concept of being able to turn leasing into a career. Really enjoyed what Becky had to say about that. We also hit on the fundamentals of leasing and Becky's take on how important it is to to maintain focus on these things even in our busy days. And we also talked some technology and amenity trends that I thought was really insightful. This was a super fun conversation and I hope you enjoy. Let's get into it. Becky, you are my first two-time guest and I'm really excited to have you back on the podcast today. How have you been? Thank you. I am honored to be your first repeat. I've been good. Staying busy, ready for the hustle and bustle of the super busy leasing season, which is quickly approaching. Awesome. Well, uh, last time when we spoke, you were coming off of really uh, a big effort on stabilizing a lease up property. And it sounds like it's been a little bit more focused on internal training and hiring as of late. But you tell me, what have you been focused on most recently? Yeah, I think, um, you know, like a lot of companies, not just in our industry, are seeing um, these crazy hiring trends. Um, And so, you know, WPM internally has started a recruiting committee. And so we've been putting more efforts into unique ways to recruit new talent um, and also ways that we can nurture the current talent that we have to retain these really talented people that we've got on our team currently. Are you finding more success with good advertising and driving inbound applicants? Or are you guys actually shifting to doing more outbound and seeking out high-level talent based on where you're seeing the needs for your respective properties and, of course, at the corporate level as well? Um, Yeah, I'm glad that you touched on that. It's not just the site level where we're seeing um, some different hiring trends, but also at the corporate level. And I, I think some of that is due to some of the shifts in the industry. Um, so the way that we look at positions traditionally are, are really changing. I mean, I think maintenance is a great example. Um, you know, we typically had maintenance staff that were on call 24 hours a day, and it was a certain ratio per, per unit count. And now I think we're, we're finding ways to make those positions a little bit more hybrid to allow a little bit more of that work-life balance and flexibility um, and allowing us to retain, like I said, those really talented people um, because, you know, I think as everybody is seeing, again, not just in our industry, but, uh, you know, across all boards um, is that there's just this huge shift in what employees' expectations are out of their work-life balance. And I think what we're seeing is that as we kind of give and take with that stuff a little bit more, um, that the results are actually working in our favor. So, you know, more flexible work schedules, um, more flexible work locations, uh, an emphasis on onboarding and training. Um, Actually, our director of service, uh, Mike Mangum, 
uh, him, well, he oversees the service committee, which is an internal uh, committee within WPM that focuses on ongoing training for our service department. Um, and they just released or unveiled their new service training location. Um, so that was a really cool thing that we celebrated recently uh, across across the board, because, you know, a win for maintenance is a win for operations and a win for leasing and a win for all of us. Totally. Win, win, win. Uh, that's cool. I know you're familiar with what I'm focused on right now, like with the podcast specifically, really talking to leasing pros, experts from the site level to the corporate level like yourself to put together some content and inspiration to really enable and inspire folks leading into this year's leasing season. But I'd like to actually start with a little bit more about your story. Uh, you're one of the few folks in the industry that's done a um, remarkable job of, of getting from on-site to corporate while maintaining leasing as an expertise. And I think the narrative there to me and to you is that leasing can be a career, not just a stop along the, the journey. I'd love to hear from you of what that's been like, what you're seeing. I know you're starting to mentor more to other folks, but would love some some kind of almost riffing here on what you're seeing and what you're feeling there. Yeah, um, it's interesting because when I got started in the industry, which wasn't all that long ago, um, I think it was a little unclear whether leasing and, um, you know, like these sales roles were something that you could sustain for your entire career. And it's really cool to see how much it's evolved, uh, especially more recently. Um, so I actually, I, my, when I was in college, I um, worked for Hilton. And so I, I got started in hospitality, which I think is what kind of kickstarted my career in property management. And it's funny how many people I talk to now that kind of got started the same way. And one of the things I always like to joke about is that hospitality kind of gets you started because you only have to deal with those guests for a couple of days. So if something goes wrong, they leave. Uh, but with residents, you know, we've got a 12 months to deal with these problems. So the level of customer service really gets kicked up a notch. Um, so yeah, anyway, you know, started in hospitality. And then my first job out of college was a lease up in downtown Baltimore. And I absolutely loved it. Like I just loved this fancy new building and being downtown and the hustle and bustle and the sales goals and things like that. Um, and, you know, I excelled so much that, and the, the company I was working for at the time was acquiring some properties downtown. And so um, they promoted me to an assistant property manager role really quickly. And, um, you know, most people will be like, that's awesome. You got a promotion within five months. Like you clearly were killing it. And no, it was completely out of circumstance. Uh, the property manager had to start overseeing these other properties. And so they were like, uh, we need an assistant property manager to run operations and lease. So congrats, promotion. And uh, it, was, it was not a happy transition. The operations side really took so much of what I loved about the job away. Um, and, you know, that's not a knock to property managers, senior property managers operations folks, I think what you guys do is incredible. It's just not the best use of my skill set. And so I quickly found that um, it just was not the right position. And so um, I ended up leaving the industry and went back to hospitality and was like, you know, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I want to get back into hotels. Um, and, you know, kind of just like took an interim job, something that could pay the rent until I figured out what I really wanted to do. And so I worked at a hotel for a little while. And one day I got a call from someone in HR at WPM and uh, they were building this flashy new uh, lease up just up the street from where I lived in Baltimore. 
And so um, I interviewed for the position. I ended up taking it and it was probably one of the best decisions that I've ever made in my professional career. Um, and it's, you know, that lease up led to some incredible opportunities. I had an amazing supervisor um, who's gone on to be an asset manager for a large REIT out of DC. Um, I also had the privilege of working alongside another leasing specialist who had a background in uh, event planning. So it was really interesting, um, you know, doing a lease up with somebody who has an event planning background. It really translates. Um, so like between that hospitality side and the event planning side, we were a dynamic force to be reckoned with. I mean, uh, we did uh, Yelp Elite event, um, which Yelp has like this group of people who are considered elites and they their reviews are super highly ranked. And you can actually have groups of them like come in to review your business. And so we ended up doing this Yelp Elite event that included like over 500 people. We had like seven different local bars and restaurants that catered. Everything that was catered was free. So the outreach that we had to do to make that happen, um, it was just such an incredible opportunity. I, that lease up really kickstarted my career in property management and solidified that, you know, I wanted to keep doing this lease up thing and, and that outreach and that marketing and those aggressive sales goals was just something that really, you know, fed me. And so I had to figure out a way to keep this going. So was the shift or the pivot from really killing it on site, being that lease up expert to actually getting to the corporate level to really scale and, and multiply those, those things, building out the leasing academy and a lot of the things you've done at WPM, was that your foresight and like seeing that as an opportunity or was that your corporate marketing and executive leadership team, you know, seeing and realizing the opportunity that as you scale, you had, they had to make a bigger bigger investment like how did that actual transition from site level to corporate level come come to be if you don't mind me asking I think it was a little bit of both so like I think I knew internally that um, there was so much value in um, some of the things that we were doing like like I said you know like from an outreach perspective like we were giving we were helping small local businesses and for somebody that lived in the neighborhood that I worked in that was so valuable to me. So that was interesting. And so I wanted to keep doing that. I felt like, you know, by doing this outreach and, and getting to know all these other local businesses and, and exposing them to our residents, it was bringing value to our residents as well. Um, and so I just felt the need that, you know, there somebody had to, to help teach people this. And so, um, you know, I was lucky enough to have the executives at WPM also see how valuable this was. And I think it's also like at the core of our organization, we are a Baltimore company. So the fact that I was doing business with these local Baltimore businesses that was helping, you know, make the city a better place for people to call home, a city that was better to invest in, I think was self-serving for both myself and also for WPM. Um, so I think that when they saw the opportunity and realized that, you know, let's, let's give her a shot to do it in Richmond. Let's see if she can do the same thing. And, you know, when, when I went down, uh, with Glenmore Oaks, I built a really dynamic team that helped me kind of keep that same thing going, that outreach, um, those, you know, sales goals, that, that, that thirst for training, the, um, you know, desire to bring value to our residents. I, we just, 
you know, we, we established a really good team down there and we were able to do the same thing. And so I think that WPM, you know, I proved to WPM, it's not just in Baltimore, I can do this across, you know, other cities and with other teams. And it's not just me, I can figure out a way to get other people bought into like how important this is to be a part of our everyday business as leasing professionals. And so um, it's been an exciting journey. <laughs> well, I mean, I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast with a few folks recently, but in my world on the B2B side, uh, you look at growth technology companies where there's tons of capital coming in to scale and expand you know, technology that's being sold to businesses. That parallel is so similar to your world where you're raising capital, leveraging investors to you know, purchase properties or manage properties to you know, get them to a point where they're more valuable long-term. And I've always wondered why there wasn't more of a focused corporate effort on scaling and codifying sales teams. Because in my world, the fastest growing job title is sales enablement. And it's so common once the sales team hits like eight, 10, maybe 12 people for you to invest in a full-time trainer to really manage process, manage technology, scale learning management, all that kind of stuff. And if you can get your team from good to great faster, the ROI is, is a very, very easy kind of black and white decision. And it seems like you're on the cutting edge of that same kind of decision, which I just think is super cool, refreshing, and probably a glimpse of, of what the future of operations is going to look like in our space. Yeah. I mean, I, I think people will probably roll their eyes, but I think it's a very men- millennial mentality to kind of just question the like status quo. And one of the things that I, I like, you know, am proud of being a millennial for is that we do question the status quo and not because we just are, you know, like nitpicky and, and want to understand why it's because we're actually, we have the grit and the stamina to like figure out what's wrong and figure out how to fix it and make it more efficient. And I feel like that's a little bit of what we're seeing right now is like this shift of like millennials really taking on these higher level roles. And we're like, okay, we don't need to have a body at a, on an, at a site just because the status quo was one person per 100 units. It doesn't make sense. So, you know, one of the things like I feel like with like the rise of technology and stuff like that, it's making even more of a place for people like me and these other, you know, really strong leasing and marketing specialists where, you know, the technology is taking all the monotony out of the job, all those basic follow-up questions that by the time the prospects get to us, it's like showtime. Totally. I love that. Showtime. (laughs) Well, let's uh, roll up our sleeves a little bit. Uh, on the on the leasing front, uh, Becky, one of the things I've heard you talk about a few times in the past is just sort of overarching amenity trends. Mm-hmm. The difference of, you know, what the client might need versus what marketing or even the resident might need or care about. And I'm sure you're doing a lot to bridge the gap there and also make sure that you're arming on-site teams to really be able to sell the true sticky value of your properties. But what are some of the things you're seeing there, both from an observation standpoint, but also from really how you're using that to arm your sales teams? Well, it's, it's, you know, tying it back to what, how we kind of started the conversation of like how, you know, my career has kind of grown in property management and how you can long-term sustain a a leasing and marketing career. And, um, you know, I got so good at selling the products that now I'm being brought into the conversation as they're building the product because they're like, what works? What didn't work? What did we 
unnecessarily spend money on? What can we save money on? What can we spend? What can we, you know, get a better return on our investment on? Um, so that's been really fun. And so, you know, amenity trends is, is a great example. And, you know, I want to be really clear that, you know, from a development perspective, a pre-development perspective, WPM, we feel like we are partners with our third-party clients. We do have the competitive edge that we are owners ourselves. So, you know, when we're giving you this feedback, this is feedback that we would give ourselves. Um, and so we never go into it wanting to tell someone what to do or what not to do. That's not our goal. We're partners in making this decision. We just want to educate you in making the decision. So, for example, we were on a call, um, a team of us were on a call the other day with a developer in Wilmington, Delaware. And, um, you know, through all of the construction ups and downs over the last year, the size of the units has gotten pretty efficient for this particular project he's building. And so um, we were discussing kitchen islands and he felt really adamantly that they had to have kitchen islands. And one of the things that we decided to make a suggestion on is we were like, look, you can have the kitchen island. We're not going to tell you not to do it. And we will sell the heck out of that kitchen island if it's in there. Or you could forego the kitchen island and you could put tile backsplash in all of these kitchens. And we pulled up examples of that market and showed him like all of these cool tile backsplashes that were in the market. And we were like, you know, from a cost savings perspective, when a resident has to clean tile versus drywall, it's just like long-term durability, you know? And is the tile backsplash gonna have a bigger impact than the island? Probably. So just things like that, um, you know, somebody recently sent us plans that included a conference room. And I've never seen residents really use conference rooms, even during the peak of COVID conference rooms. And it, it's one function. So we didn't tell them don't build a conference room. We were like, did you ever think about making the conference room a private dining room? It could be service as a conference room, but it can also be a space where when residents want to entertain and they don't want to do it in their apartment, they can come down here and use it. Love that. Things That's like cool. that. So is there anything on the <clears throat> tech side that you're like focused on or seeing or, or using more and more to be competitive on site from a sales standpoint? I, I know there's a big difference between amenities that look attractive from a marketing standpoint versus the amenities that your residents actually use, but I'm, I'm curious if there's anything that you're seeing on the technology side or even the services side, like that conference room that's standing out or, or getting some traction. Um, so from the prospect side, uh, in terms of technology, we actually recently um, implemented the Enchata chatbot, um, which is, you know, that automated 24 hour quick response. Um, so that's allowed our site teams to be more efficient with their follow-up efforts. We find, like I said earlier, that by the time the prospect gets to our leasing staff, they've already gotten so many of those basic questions about availability, sizing, square footage, finishes, amenity fees, application fees, that they are you know, right at the finish line by the time they get to our staff. And like I said, it's showtime. Um, so that's something that we've, we've implemented from the prospect perspective. Um, in terms of resident amenities, um, something that I, I've kind of seen take a, a little bit of a shift more recently is package management. Um, so there was this huge push for package lockers for a while. 
And, um, you know, that was a great amenity. And what we've seen is now the abundance of packages has substantially outgrown any of those package lockers. Um, so making a shift back to either, you know, package rooms or I recently met with the team at Fetch um, to talk about other, you know, package solutions. Um, that's something that I think is going to be interesting to kind of keep an eye on over the next year. Cool. I totally agree. Um, on like the sales tactics side, I'm always interested when I'm talking to smart people like you on like the actual brass tacks of sales process, sales tactics, whether that's outreach or product knowledge or identifying comps. We'll probably talk through all of those, but would love to start a conversation on sales tactics. Lots of leasing agents are tuning in right now to understand how they can get good as fast as possible. What's some of your advice out there of things that work, things that you use in Leasing Academy that, that can help someone stand out internally, but also on the, the prospect experience side? I like to, like, I almost want to tell people to, like, plaster this to the screen of their computer, like, sticky note it all over the place. Like, we are in the job of finding people home. Social media is important. Events are important. Outreach is important. Nothing is more important than following up with your leads and your prospects and helping people find apartments. So thoroughly understanding the product so that you can deliver to these people exactly what they're looking for is, is literally the most essential thing. And it's funny because it sounds so basic and you're shaking your head, but it's like the last thing that we do. I was, um, I, over the weekend, I uh, had a, somebody reach out to me on LinkedIn um, and she's a leasing specialist in North Carolina. And she asked me if, we could get together and kind of just talk about some industry trends and things like that. And if I could give her any advice as she starts this new lease up. And that was one of the things we talked about was follow-up. And, you know, um, we were talking specifically about these properties that are under development that have these fancy websites. And it's like, find out more and you put in your email and your name and you don't hear back. And it's just such a missed opportunity. Like, why even have a field for prospects to fill in their information if you're not going to do the do them the basic courtesy of following up? Um, well, it's funny because we, I never talk about my product on this podcast, but on the CRM side, one of the things we spend the most time coaching back to clients or on-site teams is keeping your cues clear. And whether that's getting back to people that have reached out to you or taking advantage of next steps. The same thing with the sales team I lead here at Rent Dynamics, but I am head nodding because that's table stakes, but I know those are the fundamentals that do get, get overlooked. And I think because we're focused on so much of this other stuff, it's, it's just, you know, it's easy for it to fall to the wayside, but we're lucky in property management to be a warm sales or a hot sales kind of industry. Like we're not going out there cold calling these people. We have them coming to us. So the fact that we're not just calling them back is just mind blowing. I uh, talked with Lindsay, uh, who you recommended join the podcast, Lindsay Cook, and then uh, recently had a guy named Andrew Hudson that just joined American Landmark in a somewhat similar capacity to you, really going from on-site to corporate to really scale and make leasing more repeatable. Both of them harped on the importance of PK, product knowledge, really making sure they understood their product to the like nth degree, but also their competitors. So they could, 
you know, know what to avoid from a positioning standpoint or go head on on the things that could help you stand out. How do you coach teams on going about, you know, identifying comps and, and gaining product knowledge to where that can be, you know, a competitive threat for them in the sales experience side of the house? Yeah, so the, the market survey that we have, the template that we have that the site teams do on a weekly basis is really robust and it includes things like, do they have a dog park? What it, what's the material of the dog park? Is it grass? Is it pellets? Is it wood chips? Um, it includes things like uh, what kinds of fees? So do they charge fees for um, guest passes for the parking? Do they charge fees for residents to bring guests to the pools? things like that, so that when you're comparing apples to apples, we really understand how we're outperforming our competitors and can feel confident in selling the product, knowing that we are the best that's out there. The biggest differentiator is our staff and is ourselves. And when you have that level of confidence and you exude it, that's how you sell the prospect on the you factor. Um, and that's one of my, my favorite things about this is that, you know, not everybody can be a leasing specialist. You can teach people how to do the administrative side, but there is a little edge that really good leasing specialists have that they can just connect. Um, and so that is just, you know, something that I can't necessarily teach people, but I've been fortunate enough to, to meet people like Lindsay Cook um, who have that, that it factor. Well, it's, it's refreshing hearing you say that. And I think that when you're on the product side, uh, yourself representing a remarkable portfolio of properties, myself really proud of the technology that we're delivering at Rent Dynamics, it's easy to get so convicted that your product is the best that, of course, once a prospect sees it, they're going to fall in love with it and want to work with you. But I think what we forget is that outside looking in, unless you've been in a product for months, if not years, product can look pretty similar. And I think that's where experience can be the single biggest standout to if you can create an experience that was, was memorable or was impactful, people work with people. And I, I do think that there's a lot to be said about in your world, but also in my world. And hearing you say that, I hope can really help empower people to feel like, hey, my product is good, but I'm great. And if I can really double down on that, like I can be the difference and that's going to be what I double down on to, to take control of the experience, to follow up, to do the soft things that matter and the results will follow. Absolutely. We've talked about a lot in terms of like the, the sales tactics and you've obviously worked with a lot of folks that are aspiring to be probably in, in a chair like yours one day. If you're advising someone who's early in their leasing career, but they're aspiring to, to go to that next level, a bigger property, um, a corporate level role, whatever that might be, you've already talked about the importance of mentorship and, and people can reach out to ask questions to folks like you. And clearly there's willingness to say, yeah, of course, here's 30 minutes, let's catch up. But what are some other things that you'd, you'd recommend to someone that wants to stand out, that wants to be the rock star. Uh, are there any specific or even general things you'd share with that person? I mean, you kind of hit it on the head. Um, my biggest piece of advice for everybody and, and to anybody that's, you know, outside of multifamily even is like always be networking. There's so much professional and personal advantage to it. Um, whether it's, going to a networking event that you meet potential clients or going to a networking event where 
you bite into this amazing cupcake and you're like, oh my God, not, there's this cupcake place that's directly across the street from our property. And then not only are you getting cupcakes for your next resident event, but you go in and they're like, hey, here's two cupcakes for you to bring home for you and your husband to enjoy free on us. Like there's just so much benefit to it. Um, and one of the biggest things that I see is that, especially with lease up, you know, people in lease up specifically, is that we get into the habit of doing it and then we hit stabilization and we're like, okay, time to relax now. And then, you know, if you're lucky enough to be like me, where you get brought to the next lease up, having to get back into that mode again is exhausting. It's like, if you just don't ever stop doing it, you never have to like, you know, rear your engine to get going again. So I just make it consistently networking, going to events, um, whether it's on the company's time or whether it's on my own personal time. Uh, it's so, so valuable and I can't stress it enough. I know you spent a decent amount of time prepping for today, and I want to make sure we hit on everything that you were hoping to talk about. Do you feel like we've done a good job of kind of working through the the funnel of, of topics and conversations, or did we miss miss anything today? Um, yeah, I mean, the one of the things I wanted to touch on the most is just um, something that's been, become really important to what I'm doing, and the thing that I love the most about what I'm working on right now, which is the pre-development and, and pre-consulting stuff. And it was cool on Tuesday when we were talking about those islands with that particular developer, um, we gave some feedback about what was in the market that we saw. And the architect happened to be on the call and she looked at me and said, you know, I wish that we would have had this kind of feedback when we were putting the designs together because hearing your knowledge about who the demographic is in that market and what the competitors look like um, is just so valuable to the end user. And I think it was like this aha moment for the client where he was like, wow, if I would have gotten them involved earlier, we wouldn't be making these changes at this point. And, you know, we could have really had some really good value added feedback from the end user. And I just think it's, it's, it's funny because when I think about all of the new construction projects I've worked on, I've heard developers time and time again say things like, you know, well, the architect said that that was a good idea. The engineer said that that was a good idea. And it's like, you know, there are, there are three components to this project. There's the people that build it, there's the people that own it, and there's the people that run it. And so the fact that the people that run it are not involved from like the day that you like, you know, are laying in bed and this idea of this community comes into your head uh, is mind blowing because, you know, we, we operate it, we lease it, we help you eventually sell it. So there's just so much value in us being involved early on. And it was really cool in that particular example to like see it aha moment happened to our client where he was like, God, I can't wait to get you guys involved early on next time. Well, I'm, I'm hearing like the early pages of a business plan for you to create a full cycle development <laughs> advisory firm. And if you get to that point, I want to be your first investor investor because I'm sold. I want to build my own apartment. It's going to be like all my ideas. <laughs> That's cool. Well, um, before we wrap up today, any questions for me or, or any kind of thoughts on um, or, or interest or inputs that we didn't hit on? What are what's like the biggest industry trend right now that you're into? What what gets your spidey senses going? 
I mean, I'm a social nut. We talk a lot on LinkedIn and things like that. And I am fond of the competitors of mine on the leasing spectrum or category knock funnel anyone home or the three folks that we, you know, spend the most time looking left and right at. And there's varying levels right now of centralization being talked about. And I think uh, that's an interesting one for me that I'm excited about. I think there is a delicate balance of how that's going to actually become successful because not all owners or operators are created equal. And I think if you're a 90,000 unit owner operator, you've got a lot more resource to go all in on something like that. And if you're an 8,000 unit owner operator, you're probably thinking like, how does this apply to me based on finite resources? And I think I'm probably most interested right now on being the steady Eddie authority on that to help guide our customers towards individualizing how they can centralize operations to create better experiences for residents and for prospects to better manage their, you know, PE to make sure that they're being good stewards of their, their um, expenses, but also making sure that we don't push the industry too fast, because I think there's a fine balance on what's going to stick, what's going to be a trend, what's going to be a fad, what's going to really last long-term. And I know I'm word You're barfing speaking on you, but the that's, WPM language. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just interesting for me. I'm seeing some folks go, you know, blitzing fast. Some people just like not even talking about it. And we're going deal by deal with our customers right now and looking at their technology, looking at their answer rates, looking at their follow-up cues and really putting processes and strategies in place because leasing is an art and it's a science. And if you don't find the right balance there, you can break. And right now, especially with leasing season, uh, it's a good time to be making some tactical adjustments. But if you go too fast, it's a bad time to get it wrong. Yeah, I think the nimble flexibility is something that has helped WPM be successful for the last 75 years. And it's uh, one of the property technologies that we will have forever. Well, Becky, it's always fun to see you. And I owe you a trip to Baltimore. But uh, thank you a ton for joining. You're my first Boomerang guest and it did not disappoint. I look forward to being back for round three.